You and I have made strong choices with our outfits today. What do you mean? I mean, you look like an extra on Little House of the Prairie. Oh, you look like you just walked off the set of Big Lebowski, so <laughs> <laughs> who's worse? I don't know. I hate bowling. <laughs> <laughs> Mars. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Obsessed with Disappeared, the podcast where Joey Taranto and I recap episodes of ID's Disappeared, episode by episode. Thank you for being here. How are you, Joey? I'm fucking fantastic. How are you, Yellen Marsh? <laughs> <laughs> I fear that's here to stay. But it's really cute. And fitting. <laughs> but listen, if you want more nonsense from me and Joey, join us on the Patreon. It's basically our besties. We call it the Drama Club. For a reason. (laughs) We bring the drama, you bring the club. What? I didn't work that through. No, it's where we let our hair down and we do all of our series. We take your suggestions. We don't make this shit up. We wait for you to tell us. Right now we are doing Fry Thy Neighbor. We're almost done. What are we going to do next? What do you want to do next? I have no idea. It's not up to you. That was a trick question. (laughs) It is up to the Dell bitches, but we are having a blast. We are almost done. And in the Drama Club, you get ad-free episodes of our regular feed. Plus, you get three bonus episodes of the series of your choice a month. And then we give you one extra thing. We've done trivia. We might go back to trivia. It's honestly whatever you want. We do whatever you want. That's right. We're going to be your bitches. We... <laughs> In the good way. <laughs> and join us on the Facebook group. That is where you can meet all your true crime besties. And if you are on our socials, you know we have Obsessed Fest coming up. Also, follow us on TikTok. We are blowing up the TikToks on Obsessed from Disappeared. And we just have so much content for you. We love you. But should we get on with the show? Did you say Obsessed from Disappeared? I don't know. Yeah, did. Wait, let's listen. We are blowing up the TikToks on Obsessed from Disappeared. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I don't think many people listen to me. I don't think it really matters. I don't think many people listen to me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) Yeah, let's get on with the episode, baby. Okay, but not because you said so, because we have to. Well, we're paid to. (laughs) Disappeared Season 7, Episode 4, Walk into Darkness, tells the story of Tammy Kingery. A young nurse is bedridden with an unknown illness. She seemed agitated. All she really did was she wanted to sleep. Yet she somehow walks away from her home deep in the woods. It's a big piece of land. It's out of the way where nobody can see you really. A mysterious note leads her loved ones to fear the worst. I knew that wasn't just a walk. Something was wrong. And family secrets are revealed. We went through the phone records and you seemed like, well, who, you know, who is this? In the weeks leading up to her disappearance, something had happened. Different theories emerge. Maybe somebody was really angry with her. Maybe she was walking along the road and someone committed a crime of opportunity. But no one can explain how Tammy Kingery could just vanish without a trace. Just knowing anything wouldn't be better than knowing nothing. Another season seven, another episode without my beloved Christopher. Hey, girl. Hey, Christopher. Hi, Christopher. You gotta move on from it. All right, go ahead. Get over it. Sorry. Saturday, September 20th, 2014. It's an early autumn morning in the small town of North Augusta, South Carolina. 37-year-old Tammy Kingery is just starting her shift at a local nursing home. We're in the small town of North Augusta, South Carolina. And not Christopher tells us it's an autumn morning. Thank you, Christopher. We know what autumn is. (laughs) Am I picking a fight? I'm picking a fight. Anyway, it's autumn, apparently. (laughs) And we meet 37-year-old Tammy Kingery, and she's starting her shift at a local nursing home. Yes, and Sister Becky is here, and she explains what people in a nursing home does. Thanks. Thank you. (laughs) She has a very long, detailed description. I'm like, okay, do we we have time to fill? Is that what happened there? I mean, really, you added nothing new. (laughs) 
<laughs> and then we also meet Tammy's mama, Carolyn, and she tells us that Tammy was a very caring individual. She really loved the folks she took care of, and she became close to her patients so much so that she even spoke at their funerals. I know. I'm here to say if my funeral isn't a roast, I will haunt everyone, and none of you all knew me anyway. <laughs> I want a roast! I mean, is it every day a roast with your friends? I mean, I guess so, but I want a real good one. I want pictures, I want videos, I, I will be there. I will be there judging. Do you want to know what I will say? What? I will say, here lies Ellen Marsh. I loved her so much. She made me laugh, but I never really trusted her. (laughs) (laughs) But Mama Carolyn basically says she kind of built her life around work, and which is important to love what you do. I can't wait for that day. (laughs) (laughs) The people she was working with that day said that she seemed agitated and was repeatedly checking her blood pressure and that it was high. And then they were trying to get her to calm down because they felt that her agitated state was then making it worse. Apparently when she got to work that morning, she wasn't feeling well and she began to act strangely, according to her coworkers. Right. They said that she was acting agitated, which is like, you know, us on a good day. I mean. (laughs) (laughs) And she was repeatedly like checking her blood pressure and it was high and they were trying to calm her down. But she was sort of up. She was frustrated. She was agitated. She was she was off. And it was making her blood pressure worse. So one of the nurses that Tammy was really good friends with said that Tammy started to get like loud. Yeah. And that was not something she did. I definitely don't know what it's like to have a friend who gets loud. Do you? Uh, Yellen Marsh? No. No. I I want to, one day I want to spend a day in like a normal person's brain and body. You know, just to to see what that's like. Like, you know, if a barista doesn't say goodbye, you don't spend the whole day wondering why they hate you. What the fuck is that bitch's problem? Exactly. (laughs) But Tammy was the antithesis of you and me. Yes. She was quiet and mild-mannered. Yeah, that's not really our journey. (laughs) So Tammy had recently told her sisters, Becky and Amy, that she had been feeling under the weather. Actually, she said she hadn't been feeling like herself for like the past four nights. Yeah. And she woke up and she needed to change her clothes because she was getting night sweats. Yeah. Those are the fucking worst. Yeah. I do not enjoy that. Oh, yeah. No, there's, yeah. Something was definitely off. So Sister Becky, you know, said you need to go to the doctor. And then Tammy was like, I have an appointment for Monday. And that was that. So we're back at work and the nurses are telling Tammy to call her husband Park and just go home. She's not well. So, yeah, she calls her husband and she's like, look, I don't feel great. Also, did you not think that her husband, Park, looks like Mike the Situation's, like, cousin or something from Jersey Shore? Oh, my gosh. Now that you say that, yes. Yeah. I mean, it's not neither here nor there, but I kept being like, that looks like the fucking situation. What if if we Google it and they're like, cousins? (laughs) Maybe. It would make sense. Jersey Shore. Jersey Shore. Yeah. Where's the beach? (laughs) She called me about an hour after she went to work said her heart rate was way up she was dizzy i needed to come pick her up i'm like okay she was sitting outside on the bench waiting for me to get her park came to pick her up so her car was left at the nursing home so their sons cameron and carter were home and their teenage daughter caitlin was away now that is hard for little kids to leave their parents alone oh of course because well first of all being a parent is never going to the bathroom alone ever again oh i believe it you know there are many joys to parenthood but being alone is not one of them i have two cats so i understand yeah i mean 95 (laughs) 95 of parenting is just thinking about the next time you can like lie down you know what i mean (laughs) but no it's just a funny thing with like moms and kids one time lola was a baby no she was like maybe like three she woke me up at like four o'clock in the morning was like and i said hi honey um, what are you doing? And she's like, can you make me something to eat? <laughs> and I was like, go wake up your dad. She goes, he's sleeping. <laughs> I was like, same bitch. <laughs> I am sleeping too. <laughs> there is something about moms. Honestly, <sighs> the kids also loved being around Tammy. So Park worked really hard to let her have some peace and quiet and let her lay down because she didn't feel well. Yeah, he was like, let your mama sleep. And then we get some backstory right. here about Tammy and Park. They moved to South Carolina in 1998 after meeting and marrying in Northwest Indiana, where they both grew up. Then we see a pic of the couple at a formal event. Okay. Okay. Honey, I love a black velvet dress. Okay. <laughs> but what I don't love is a mullet. Oh, and honey, mullet. 
Park has some bushes in the back of that head that need some trimming. Also, have you noticed that mullets are back? I no, I no, because I won't. I won't. I I'm not entertaining. Oh my I'm god! I'm not paying attention. I'm not involved in. Well, that. they are. It's like there are lots of fun trends from the '80s that I'm deeply into. Give me huge shoulder pads and like 50 pounds of makeup. We don't need the hair trends no. from the '80s. No, the, the broccoli bangs, the terrible <laughs> perms, and most definitely not. A mullet. No. I'm done now. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, but this picture, you know, the pictures are always my favorite, but this picture put me through it. It was like, <laughs> it was like a six act Shakespearean play all in like a five second shot of this picture. A shick shack. A shick shack. A shick shack Shakespeare. So everyone is here to say that Tammy was just so nice. And sister Becky said they shared a room, not because they had to, but because they wanted to. Fuck that. What, my did the same thing when we lived in one house they had to share a room and then we moved to a bigger house and they were like can we still share a room oh really no isn't that cute i mean i would never no yeah. my older brother shared a room and i they my family knew give joey her own room oh yeah we, we don't let her share don't, there's no communal space for her <laughs> put her in her own cave <laughs> i listen you know if i ever get married again i'm not sharing anything <laughs> I, will, I will share you know parts yeah sure i'll swap spit yeah Ew! tammy would beg my parents to have a baby and when my mom told us that she was having a baby i i distinctly remember tammy saying oh thank you <laughs> Sister Becky says that Tammy, when they were little, would beg their parents to have a baby. And, you know, it's funny because Lola used to do the same thing until I told her she had to share her toys with a new baby. And she was like, yeah, okay. Never asked again. <laughs> One and done, honey. I'm with Lola. I didn't want any more siblings. Three was enough. <laughs> So when they were little, Sister Becky and Tammy found out they were having another baby. And Tammy goes to her parents, oh, thank you. <laughs> I was like, okay, that's weird. Not me. I'd be like, fuck y'all. And why y'all still having sex? I don't like it. So Tammy, when she was in high school, worked at a local drugstore. And so did her husband, Park. And that's how they met. Did you have an after school job in high school? No, my parents wouldn't let me have one. <gasps> Really? Yeah, I think that they were scared I was going to be wild. They were like, he can't have, like, a disposable income ready at his hands. Oh, no, no they were like, keep her locked up. <laughs> She's a troublemaker. Did you have an after-school school? Oh, yeah. What I, was it? Did you, I just said after-school school. school. <laughs> they said after-school special. <laughs> I started a babysitting company when I was 12 years old, so. Why does that not surprise yeah. <laughs> me? I this did. bitch probably at 13 was like, I've got an enterprise here <laughs> in San Francisco. I did because I had so many babysitting jobs and I couldn't do all the babysitting jobs. I literally started the babysitter's club in my town. Did you buy your own like first car? No, I did not buy my own first car, but I had to pay for my insurance, my gas. And then my first real job on the books was at The Gap. I worked at The Gap. <laughs> you did? I sure did, but they put me in the stock room because they knew not to let me around customers. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's where they came up with the term Boxing Day. I don't think they named a day after what happens at the Gap. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't think the Gap got its own like extra holiday. I got an idea. <laughs> you work at the Gap. No, I know. I got an idea. Go with me. Okay. Because people bring back boxes. <laughs> it's called Boxing Day. <laughs> <laughs> when Tammy was in high school, she had a um, an after-school job. It was like a kind of a drugstore. I was a stock boy, and one Saturday morning we had a store meeting. All of a sudden, you know, it was time to leave, and she stood up, and I was like, who is that? We just started talking. We enjoyed hanging out, and it just progressed from there. Tammy and Park worked at this drugstore. Yeah, you know, fast forward, they fall in love. Park is like, this is the girl for me. And then we see pics from their wedding. Oh, okay. Honey, am I terrible? I'm like, her bridal party looks like it was made up of the California raisins because <laughs> the deep aubergine dresses with the matching full-length gloves, not it, okay? Come on, guys, let's harmonize. I just want to say, now I have said this before on this podcast and I've gotten in so much trouble. Everyone lives their own life. Everybody has a different journey. Everybody makes their own decisions. Everybody's life works in a different way. And there are so many pros and cons to getting married young. But gather around the campfire, <laughs> children. Because like, mama's got some life lessons for you. I believe <laughs> it was the prophet Eminem that oh. said... <laughs> You better lose yourself in the music. The moment you own it, you better never let it go. What? You only have one shot. What the fuck are you doing? You only have one shot. I'm just saying. You 
have so much life to live in your oh. 20s and your 30s. And listen, I, I just think that there's so much fun and exploration to be had. Whenever someone gets married young, I'm thinking, no, and everyone makes the best decision for their lives. I, but think about what you were doing at 19. What were you doing at 19? I look back at pictures of me being 19. I look 12. Yeah. Same. What were you doing at 19? Drugs. <laughs> I'm serious. I was out in clubs dancing and doing drugs. It's just a lot. Now, I know every... Don't get married young. Listen, do whatever you want. <laughs> okay. Are you sure? I mean, no. Don't get married young. <laughs> right after they got married, Park got a job offer in South Carolina. Yeah, and it all happened very quickly. Right. And it turns out... Tammy loves South Carolina. Loved it. Somebody's got to. So they moved, and Tammy enrolls in nursing school. Bada bing, bada boom. They call Mama Carolyn, and they are pregnant. And little Caitlin was born in 1999. And Mama Carolyn tells us that she was so excited and happy for the couple because this is what Tammy always wanted, to be a mom. And now she was. And mm-hmm. baby Caitlin is born in 1999. I said that. Oh, oops. Sorry. You don't listen when I talk. Wow, well, I do listen, but I, I'm reading what I wrote. <laughs> you just read it. You're just reading your notes, not paying attention to me. I am paying so attention. It's, it's kind of like Patricia's here. No, I don't like erase this. <laughs> it's fine. It, you're just you're just a man, and I'm a woman, and and my words my words don't matter as you much. You awful judgy <laughs> for somebody who looks like they stepped out of a Laura Ingalls Wilder book with the ruffles on your shoulders and the bun on your head. I'm wearing a very cute dress. You look like a sister wife. Anyway, <laughs> by 2001, Tammy had her second child, Carter finished school, and got a job at the nursing home. She always wanted to be a nurse. That was her dream job. And everyone loved her there. You know, all the patients loved her, the staff loved her, and she liked it. It wasn't just a job to her. She enjoyed taking care of the people. Congratulations to you, Tammy. I mean, that is not fucking easy. No, women are amazing, honey. The queen they of are. the down bitches. Who is the queen of the down bitches? You. Ruth. Bader Ginsburg. <laughs> she said, I ask no favors for my sex. All I ask is that our brethren take their feet off our necks. Come on. Because women can do everything. We have no choice but to be amazing. We don't have a choice. I hear you. That's it. I think you are amazing. Also, rest in power, Ruthie. I Absolutely. But Tammy was a queen, and she always wanted to be a nurse. That was her dream job, and she Loved it. So in 2007, Tammy and Park start building their dream home in Edgefield County. It's in the woods. It's scenic. It's beautiful. And Miss Tammy has a lot to be happy about, right? By this time, she's had her third baby, Cameron. And Cameron and Tammy are attached at the hip. Cameron's her little shadow. I think it's adorable. That was like my mom and and brother Joe. Whirly. Oh, my God. Real. Shut up. (laughs) Oh, really? (laughs) How are the marbles in your mouth? I hate you. It's like showgirls. He just like throws them down the stairs, so I (laughs) shrimp. But on this Saturday morning in September 2014, as she lays sick in bed, something seems off. For two weeks, she was really tired, sleeping. Called off work several times, and that's not like her. So I was like, you know what? Maybe it'd be a good idea if I take the kids and go to the store, just give her a peace and quiet. But now we're back to that Saturday morning in September of 2014 right. with Sammy. <laughs> Are you okay? Sit down. With Tammy <laughs> sick in bed and something seems to be very wrong here. Yeah, and Park actually says that this exhaustion has been going on for a little bit more than four days. Yeah. It's actually been going on for two weeks. She's been really tired. She has skipped work a couple times and that morning was no different. He just had seen this cycle, you know, happen for the past, you know, two weeks or so. So that morning, Park is like, you know what? I'm going to take the kids to the store. We're going to run a couple of errands. We're going to give mom some peace and quiet. And you know what? Mima Carolyn needs her lawn mode. And Carter usually does. Yeah, it. she does. It, uh, are you making a sex joke about Mima Carolyn's Vagina? vaginal hair? Yeah, I am. Uh, where, where's that going to go, babe? It's low-hanging fruit, but let me have this. <laughs> okay? No, say more. Anyway, so around 10 a.m., <laughs> Park hops, Park pops in their bedroom. Okay, nope. Wow, are you okay? Probably not. Do you think it, you, things would be going better if your second cousins had married rather than your first cousins? It's a southern joke. You're not better than me, okay? <laughs> anyway, around 10 a.m., Parker, no, Park grabs like <laughs> fuck you. What? You see what you've done to me? Around, I got this. Around 10 a.m., Park grabs the boys and they head into the bedroom to say goodbye while she's asleep 
And they say, we'll be back in a little while. Enjoy your rest. Yeah. And they give her a little kiss and say, I love you. And she says, I love you too. And then Park says, that was it. I know. It's terrible. Park drops his teenage son off to mow his mother-in-law's lawn and takes his youngest to run errands at several stores. And me and a little guy, Cameron, we went and bought some stuff. I was looking for vitamins for her, maybe to help make her feel better. Then that's when I got the call. My son was done mowing the lawn. So then Park came by and picked up Carter, and they left, and I never talked to Park. They get home at about 12, and they get home, and the house is quiet and weird. So they walk upstairs, and Tammy's bedroom door is open, which wasn't how they left it, but whatever. And they look, and Tammy wasn't in bed. And then they look in the bathroom, no Tammy. And he had just left two hours ago. So they go down to the kitchen, and they see this note on the table. And the note says, went for a walk, be back soon, love you. And that strikes them as very odd, because... I don't know about you. When I'm sick, I'm not doing shit. I'm doing anything but walking. So it's no surprise to us that Tammy doesn't return soon. And something about that note really bothers Park. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to hop in my car and I'm going to drive around and look for her, which is what I would do. Yeah. And this is where Patricia would feel a kinship with Tammy because everyone's here to say she didn't really walk in the woods that much. (laughs) (laughs) She was out of character for her to go for a walk. But I mean, to your point, if you're too sick to work, why are you going walking through these woods? Because we learned that their house wasn't on a main street. There weren't any paths. This was like back, back woody area. It was like a bit of a terrain to yeah. go anywhere. And their house was on a hill. Right. And the driveway that led to the main road was really fucking long. And it was, there were no sidewalks, None. no major roads or paths even. Yeah. In fact, if she wanted to go anywhere, it would be a short drive. Like if she yes. wanted to go to a pathy or a grassy area, she would have to drive. And remember, her car is at the nursing home. Exactly. Which begs the question, if she had been that sick, Sick enough to call her husband to pick her up. Again, why would she go out for a walk? Yeah. It doesn't make sense. And so the note itself was odd to the family because Sister Becky tells us she was very much in the habit, like you and me, of sending text messages if she needed to tell Park something, which, okay, people can leave handwritten notes. Sure. I sometimes leave handwritten notes for, you know, cute ones, but I don't know. If you had been sick and your husband had left, wouldn't you send a text message to be like, look, I'm going to go out for a walk and get some air? Yeah. I don't do handwritten notes. Like, ever? Not really. You know, if I fall asleep next to the 26-year-old accidentally, I'm just, like, sneaking out and texting. I'm not, like, finding a post at... Yeah, nasty. (laughs) (laughs) But also, moreover than the weirdness of the handwritten note, she left her purse, her phone, her money. She... Basically didn't actually take anything. All of it. Right. Right. Anything you would normally take. I mean, I would actually take my phone before I would take money or my purse. I'm not going anywhere without my phone. I'm not even going to take a pee without my phone. Anywhere. Got to take out the trash. Got my phone in the other hand, which is actually good because I once got locked out. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, we FaceTimed each other where we're like, I can't talk. I'm pooping. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Maybe that's TMI. No, well, it's true. (laughs) Fearing that something is wrong. Park doesn't wait around to see if Tammy is coming home. I panicked. I freaked out. That was not like her just to walk from the house. So I told Carter, look, watch Cameron. I'm jumping in the car. I'm going. And that's exactly what I did. I started running the roads. I made sure that she didn't try to walk to get her car. Park calls their teenage daughter, Caitlin who is at a friend's house and urges her to help search for Tammy. There were no signs of her anywhere. He stopped and asked a few people if they'd seen her, and no one has seen shit. Right, and something not mentioned in the episode that I found in some side research, Uh Park actually drove back to the nursing home to see if she was, like, walking to go get her car. Oh. Yeah, so and nothing turned up. Wow. So having no luck driving around, Park calls mom-in-law, Carolyn, to tell her what's going on and is like, can you come to the house? Obviously, she hops in the car, immediately hauls ass over there. Yeah. So then Park and Carter, who we found out was a Boy Scout? Yeah. (laughs) Sounds like my worst nightmare. Decided to start searching the woods surrounding their house for mom. Right. (laughs) Which is concerning because he tells us how dense and thick this woods are. And he's like, Carter, go into the woods. (laughs) I'm like, is he going to be okay in the woods though? If we're worried about the woods, why are we sending the 13-year-old in the woods? But he was just panicked. And so this is where we meet Captain Chris Wash. Deputies from the Edgefield County Sheriff's Department come to the house and immediately attempt to locate Tammy. Her cell phone. 
was left at the house while she went to walk, and that seemed unusual to us. Obviously, she wasn't walking anywhere in the area because that's the first place we searched, the roadways around there. Okay, so let me tell you a little story. Joey knows this. I took notes on this episode, and it takes me about four hours to note an episode. And then I did this cute little thing Uh-oh. where I um I thought it would be fun Uh-oh. to delete uh! all of my notes. Ah! I deleted all of my show notes. So I got very familiar with this episode. <laughs> so the first time I watched it, I couldn't place what this man reminded me of. And then it came to me. What? Foghorn Leghorn. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, Foghorn Leghorn is a cartoon rooster in Looney Tunes. Yes. Now, who's responsible? I say, who's responsible for this unwarranted attack on my person? (laughs) That is Foghorn Leghorn. And if you tell me that Captain Chris Wash was not the voice of Foghorn Leghorn, I'm going to call you a damn liar. Honey, can I just tell you, Captain Chris Wash looks like he could use a wash. And when I looked at him, I was like, I don't want to step into your house or your bedroom. It looks like everything is stuck to each other. (laughs) So Mama Carolyn was like, I wanted to go in the woods, but I had a bad ankle. Poor baby. Me. Poor baby. I was like, I mean, okay, Mama Carolyn, this isn't about you, but thank you for the extra information. <laughs> what a bitch. I was like, my ankles hurt too, honey. I know, poor thing. So now it's 2 p.m. It's four hours since Park left his wife at home, and he calls the police. And the deputies from the Edgefield County Sheriff's Department come to the house and immediately start the search. Yeah. So obviously we knew that she wasn't walking anywhere. Yeah. Because they had kind of done their own search of the area and she wasn't there. So Foghorn Leghorn <laughs> lets us know that they looked in her cell phone. <laughs> <laughs> I I can't. But this turns into Breckenridge so fast. I mean. I mean, they immediately search the home. They question the kids. They say nothing was out of the ordinary. And then he says. It wasn't overly neat or overly disheveled. And I was like, that sounds a little judgy, Foghorn Leghorn, but let's keep going. So all to say that they also agreed there was no sign of Tammy. And Park was like, yeah, bitch, I already told you I that. mean, really? So then they bring in the bloodhounds. South Carolina wastes no time. I thought things were slow in the South. They have rocking chairs at the airport. <laughs> but like, I mean, listen, they're investigating tactics. They go from zero to bloodhounds. Okay, well, they take off her scrubs and they give the scent to the bloodhounds and they couldn't pick up the traces. And then Foghorn says, Her scent could have very well been there and the dog just not pick it up. The dogs just didn't pick it up. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Captain Body Wash never used it, never heard of it. It's like, it could very well be the scent was just there, but they didn't pick it up. And I was like, okay, let's not go pointing fingers at the dogs. They're doing their best. Well, I'm also like, my tax dollars are going to train some dogs to smell shit that they can't smell. Hire my cousin Kimberly. She's really nosy. She'll sniff some shit out. (laughs) (laughs) But this is when Captain I Don't Wash Just Rinse starts telling us the obvious. And I'm thinking, is this man related to Detective Dipshit from Yazoo, Mississippi? We don't know whether she fell, got injured, is in a ditch or in a ravine, you know, injured. He's like, we don't know whether she fell, whether she got injured, is in a ditch, or is in a ravine. You know what, sir? <laughs> who is your supervisor? Is it your cousin and do you and does he owe you money? Bless this man's heart. I, who who hired you? I know. So the Edgefield County Sheriff's Department issues a bolo for Tammy and they check surveillance. This is day one! <laughs> This is day one. I'm just saying, somebody said- They got a lot done. They need a parade over there or something. I didn't even call this police department. I just sent them an edible arrangement. (laughs) You guys really did a bang up job here. So there were a couple of leads that day after the bolo and, you know, none of them were very helpful and day one comes to a close. I'd say that was a pretty good day one, Foghorn Leghorn. Back, I say back to the old drawing board. So this is where we learn. Park tells investigators that his wife has recently been diagnosed with what he called moderate clinical depression, and she was on medication.
depression. Yeah, apparently she had been really battling her depression and did her best to hide it. Now, I know how hard it can be to be grappling with something really painful and feel like you can't express that for whatever reason to the people you're closest to or even the world in general. It can be very isolating. And so I understand where Tammy might have been. Yeah, no, I do too. That comment hit me like a ton of bricks, actually. And I hide things all the time. Listen, I do not open up for anyone. The next time I open up will be, you know, in my autopsy. Jesus. That's it. Crap. I got Are it. you okay? <laughs> Who hurt you? <laughs> Many people. Oh, anyway, yeah. let's start at the very beginning. What is worse, her family says that years earlier, Tammy tried to take her own life. I was very worried. Tammy had made a prior suicide attempt, and that was my initial thought, was that she left to harm herself. We also find out, sadly, that years earlier, Tammy had tried to take her life. Sister Becky says as a result of this prior suicide attempt, she was, it got me. She was worried that maybe Tammy had left with the intent of harming herself. Right. And, you know, aw, it's okay. I cry on the podcast all the time. No, it's a lot. It's a lot to hear. And it and it's a sad thing for a family to, to hear. And, you know, Park also says that her physical sickness over the last couple weeks, you know, he knew that coincided with her depression. Every, You know, everybody know that. And she said Tammy herself felt that she was beyond help. And he said that she didn't want to talk about it. And with, you know, her depression and yeah. balancing medication, it's all a lot. So Sister Becky says, you know, the family continued to reach out. They tried sending her funny memes, which always gets me. Absolutely. I love a meme. Me too. Pretty much about 80% of our communication is sending TikToks and memes to each other. I would agree. And I also have learned, I think you and I are very good that when we recognize one of us is in some kind of place, uh-huh. that we are good at really listening, you know, letting it land on us and then cracking that joke and being like, oh, thank you. Yeah. I needed that. Yeah. You know? oh, it's the same chemical in our brain. Yeah. I was telling my mom when I was giving my speech at my, you know, stepdad's memorial. I was like, mom, I got to crack a couple jokes. Absolutely. You have to. You know? Absolutely. And so they did send her funny texts and memes to, you know, to try to cheer up, but also to gauge where she was at and keep a loving but watchful eye on her. But the day comes to a close with no sign of Tammy. And Park and his children spend their first night without her. Oh, I hate it when they say that. I mean, it 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 <sighs> I, it was very very sad. So a couple of days pass, no news from Tammy, and the family continues to get the word out. Of course, they fly her the whole town. Yeah. They take to Facebook, and everyone was like curious about this because she did leave. And so the police and search parties are coming up with nothing at this point so the family decides to organize their own effort which fuck yes I would too. Yeah we see a lot of families do this. Now in this part we see this talking head from a family friend by a man of the name Steve Jones and I always (laughs) love when ID does this because he really doesn't provide any like useful information that we haven't heard and he basically just explains that they flyered the town which you know most people do and in my mind I always feel like they overestimated the amount of people that they needed <laughs> and like Steve Jones showed up that day and he's and he gets to set and the director was like we don't actually need him we were fine <laughs> and the casting director's like yep yeah but he, he came he drove like two hours to get here <laughs> so we we, we should I, I don't want to be rude I mean like what we can get 30 seconds of the episode, but he's not really giving us anything. Yeah, can we just, can we just, can we, I I forgot this Steve Jones guy was coming. Can we just add him for something, Rana? I mean, okay, really fast. Tell him what they flyered, and then let's go, okay? Panera Bread at 2 o'clock. Let's go, everybody. And then we never see him again. we never see him again. I was like, thanks, Steve Jones. Yeah, appreciate your time. (laughs) Volunteers gather at a local middle school, and Tammy's family is shocked by the turnout. We had over 100-something people show up the first day, which was, to me, it was mind-blowing. And yeah, some that knew that knew her, some that knew me. So I had co-workers come out. She had co-workers from her job come out. It was an amazing amount of people came out. I, I was surprised, but I wasn't surprised. Tammy touched a lot of lives. And they spend the next two days searching the woods within a 10-mile radius of the local school where they That's all met. That's a lot. As you guys know, they rarely go beyond three, poor Tanya Ryder, sitting there 3.6 <laughs> miles outside in an upside-down car in a ravine. So for all that sad. Time. Tell that to Tanya. We love you, Tanya Ryder. We love you. But, I mean, yeah, 10 miles, that's a lot. And these people were working so hard. But something they don't think about is... 
what they could possibly yeah. find. Yeah. And that's really distressing to everyone, especially the family. Yeah. I mean, we see the news footage and one of the organizers were like, Ugh. it's been seven days. You know, they kind of want to say it with don't say it. They're like, fill in the blanks. And one group comes across something disturbing in the woods. As we walked around, there was this horrible smell. It was one of the worst things I've ever smelled in my life. It was disgusting. It was literally death. Searchers pushed through the dense forest to get to the source of the odor. You had to climb through briars and everything to get into the shack. So during this search, they stumble on a murder shack. Oh, my God. If you see Uh a murder shack in the woods, I'm going to beg that you walk on. Oh, honey, I'm not going into no murder shack. Nothing good happens in a murder shack. And they're like, should we go in? Yeah, let's. So they go into the murder shack. Let's check it out. Yeah, let's let's just have fun with that. But they also were like, oh, what is that terrible smell? And and Steve Jones is like, is a death smell. Yeah, I was like, okay, Steve, that's. That's a wrap on Steve yeah. Jones, everyone. Thank Steve you. Jones, leave set. <laughs> Turn your mic in. Thank you. <laughs> we got a free hot for you on the way out. Exactly. But yeah, a death smell and a murder shack. Not the kind of combination I'm looking for. Not exactly Snow White and the Seven Dwarves at Disney World. Yeah, no, thank you. Joey and I are going to Disney World soon. We are! I'm so excited. Anyway, it turned out to be dog remains. And they really weigh in as to why the dog remains are there. I was like, I don't want to talk about it. I don't either. Yeah. So Park puts up a $4,000 reward to anybody who has any information leading to Tammy's whereabouts. Meanwhile, the Edgefield County Sheriff's Department, they want to understand the why. Yeah, they're like, enough with the how. Let's focus on the why, hoping it will lead to an answer. Had she lost her battle with depression? Did she make the choice to end her life? There was a lot of possibilities. Right, or the possibility of foul play. Absolutely. I mean, that someone else may had maybe had harmed her. And so investigators look at Tammy's belongings for clues. Now, initially, they took all the computers. Right. And they took Tammy's phone to do a deep dive. Please don't let nobody take my phone, Ellen. Wait, we need to make that promise to each other right now. Pinky swear. Pinky, we're, we're swearing. We're literally Pinky, swearing. Pinky swear. If I go missing, you break into my house and you grab my phone and my computer. Done? Done. Okay. And then you have to wipe it. Because then they'll come to you and they'll oh, be like, Joey, absolutely. do you have her phone? And you can be like, I do. And it'll be wiped. Listen, you know I'm a ride or die. I'm going to tell this quick story and maybe I shouldn't. Okay. But when I was like 21 years old, I had a friend who was reckless and- I didn't know that he was a toxic friend, but he was. And he had a lot of internalized homophobia, couldn't deal with the fact that he was oh, gay. Gosh. And we went out to a straight club with one of our friends, Molly. And somebody said something to him about his outfit, and he did not like that. And he had done a bunch of coke that night. Ugh. Yeah. And so he went upstairs and poured beer on their heads. There was like a, a, a balcony. And so they look up, and he was like, yeah, pouring beer on their heads. And they come running up to meet him. He cracks a beer bottle over one of their heads, gets into a fight. My friend Molly and I are standing at the bar just talking, and all of a sudden we're like, is that Sean being dragged out of the club? <gasps> So they drag him out of the club. Police show up. And I was like, Molly, he's got coke in his front pocket. I know he does. So the police show up. They arrest him. He's standing against the wall. And I was like, I got to do something. I was crazy. And so I said to the officer, I was like, hey, his car keys are in his front pocket. Can I get his car keys and I'll drive his (gasps) car home? And they were like, sure, but be quick. And so while they were looking, I put both my hands in his front pockets. And then I pulled the keys out and like, so I was like, oh, thank you. And I pulled the baggie out with my other hand. Yes. Ride or die. Ride I mean, or he die. He shouldn't have had drugs on him. No, he should not. And I don't, I do not recommend cocaine. But I'm just saying, like, <laughs> no. I'm a ride or die. So they check Tammy's phone back and they go several months and they also check her landline and see who she's talking to. Now, they cross reference. They cross reference Tammy's cell phone with her phone records and there's a tie. Tiny little discrepancy there. Investigators say some text messages from her phone have been deleted and they're getting a warrant to check them out. If there were text messages that were deleted from somebody, maybe somebody knew where she lived. Maybe somebody was really angry with her. Maybe there was another man involved and he wanted her to leave her husband. Yeah, she had deleted some text messages from her phone. Listen, we all do a dirty delete. I get it. But just know that shit can be found. 
It is stored. Yeah. So just remember, remember my old rule, don't put anything in writing that you don't want read in court. That <laughs> includes your phone. Yeah, honey. They have to get a warrant to check back those text messages that were deleted. And they were like, what are these deleted text messages all about, Tammy? And it turns out that those text messages were of a romantic nature. But the twist is, it's not just one man, there's two men. Now, I just want to say for the record, I'm not judging, okay? No. We don't know her mental state. We don't know her home life. We don't know her marriage. We don't know what kind of guy Park really is. We don't know. And it ain't for me to say. But all we hear, as far as these messages go, is that neither exchanges lead to Tammy. Right. And repeat after me. Yep. Don't put anything. Don't put anything. In writing. In writing. That you don't want red in court. That you don't want red in court. Wow, <laughs> could I get a lozenge? <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. And you can tell, and and, and you we're good at reading people. You can tell Park is very, very uncomfortable talking about this. Deeply uncomfortable. Which I understand. So it's fine. They move on. The two, the two men, it, they really don't go into detail. Yeah. And so they start to look at the people closest to Tammy. And who do we look at first? Say it with me. The, the husband. husband. Being the spouse and all automatically the number one suspect. I was talked to several times. They went to my son's school and talked to him at school because me and my son were the last two people to really see her. I interviewed him several times at the school to make sure what he told was still the same. I went through a full interrogation after that. They tried to get me to confess to something. They were doing their job to make sure that you know I had nothing to do with it. And Captain, I'm going to wash this case right out of my hair. It's like, <laughs> this is what happens when we hit a dead end. We dig deeper. And of course, Husband Park becomes the center of the investigation. Yeah, and he's the number one suspect. And, you know, to his credit, Park is like, yeah, I get it. I'm the number one suspect. Yeah. So they go and interview him and his son. And his story checks out. And they cross-reference the surveillance footage with his receipts. You know, the timestamps of the receipts. You know, because he was running all those morning errands and all to say that everything is verified yeah but then more details about their marriage start to emerge and people who are following this case are like uh excuse me yeah i have some questions i don't like this at all yeah so apparently park spoke with a reporter and said their relationship had been somewhat shaky at yep. times and park knew about her infidelity and possibly divorce had come up sure they say the words that they never had a perfect relationship. To which I say, who has a fucking perfect relationship? You're talking about two people who got married young, yeah. work full time. Yeah. They have three kids. It's a lot of kids. That's a lot of kids. That, that, like, you know, families are dealing with finances. They're dealing with work exhaustion. They're dealing with their family's physical safety, their mental safety, fostering their passions, everyone's eating habits. They're cooking. They're cleaning. They're trying to spend quality time together. It's a lot. You I know, know I'm exhausted just listening to you say all that. You know, ex how your extended family is totally. aging. And then finding time for these two people to connect as partners. Life is fucking hard. Absolutely. And so for anybody to to weigh in on their marriage. And I get it. They're investigating. They're checking in. But speculating into the shakiness of their relationship. Yeah, fucking life is hard. Marriage is hard. Having a family is hard. Everyone is doing their best. When you have three kids, you're in zone defense. You come from four? Y'all, she's pointing her finger at me. No, but it's just saying. <laughs> yes, like, I come from four. I have one, and I want to dip my head in the toilet every night by the time I go to bed. Life <laughs> is hard. What's the toilet going to do for you? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, it is. And also, you never know what's happening behind closed doors. In fact, in an interview for a podcast called Curious Times, Park reveals that Tammy recently admitted to him that she'd had an affair years earlier. I didn't know about it until like a month or two before she left. You're the only one that knows about this affair? Well, other family members do. Um, it's not public, you know, I guess it's now it's public knowledge, but no, that's something that police know about it but um, it's not real public knowledge. No. Honey, he kind of spilled his guts on this podcast. <laughs> right. He said the police knew about it and some family, but that it wasn't public knowledge. And baby, that host was like, it's public knowledge now. I, know! I was like, oh shit, bitch. Thank you, Diane Sawyer. <laughs> <laughs> that Curious Times podcast, Park gave that interview 11 months after Tammy's disappearance and Park disclosed a little more and we hear the interview. Did you take a polygraph? Yes. 
did they tell you your results? Yes, they did. And um, they said it was questionable. There were some things that um, didn't seem right, but that was really the last of it. Um, and then I, they, they fully interrogated me, and then they took me home. So that was about it. Sir, yeah. for somebody who keeps saying I shouldn't talk too much about it, you really are over here spilling your guts to Connie Chung. <laughs> yeah. Shut up! So Park lawyers up, which isn't sus at all. Yeah. We know that. And people on socials were kind of attacking Park. And Park is like, my story hasn't changed. Yeah. We're all out here trying to find my wife. But he is out here telling people he kind of failed his polygraph. Yeah. So at this point, the general public is really attacking him. They're like, it's him. He did it. I mean, I feel bad for him because he says with every interview, his words get twisted or like overanalyzed. But I'm also like, stop doing the interviews. So a year passes. A year. And, you know, Tammy hasn't been found. And they say something that I've actually never really thought about. He talks about the practical challenges. Yeah. He's like, we were a two-income family. Yeah. And we have three incomes, and now her income is gone. And he had to file bankruptcy. Yeah. And I was like, oh, wow. I mean, everybody negotiates their life, you know, their mortgage payments. What can we pay? And you live within the parameters of your income. And then when that income is cut in half, I never really thought about that before. Yeah, my heart broke for him. I mean, there's there's those three kids, those three babies to think about. And so Mama Carolyn has stepped up to help out and fill in her daughter's shoes where she can but she's just like I'm heartbroken because I'm watching these kids grow up and it should be my daughter. I know. So Foghorn Leghorn says <laughs> We've had numerous leads come in. Good leads, bad leads. Good leads and bad leads. And I was like, well if you had good leads where is she? <laughs> You're this fucking where idiot. Where good leads? I know that we've searched. And I know that the volunteers have searched. And if we searched again, you know, just in case somebody missed something. But Tammy's family is concerned that there are still places to be explored. There are multiple small bodies of water and one relatively large lake that are close by within a mile or two of the home. Apparently no bodies of water locally, like lakes yeah. or dams, were ever searched yeah, for Yeah, which her. is weird. We normally see that. And then uh, Captain Cover Up My uh, Body Odor with Axe says, <laughs> well, you know, if something were to have happened. She's going to float. I was like, oh, you, God. I was like, that comment really made me want to punch him in his potato head yeah. because that is not good enough, sir. Yeah. Also, don't say shit like that. I know. The body will float. I know. So the last couple minutes of the show, you know, it's always the family saying what they miss about the person and, you know, thoughts of where they are. It's always excruciating. But, you know, the family insists that she would have never walked away from her life. She would have never walked away from her kids. And Sister Becky says, I find it odd that someone would disappear without a trace. And I was like, Becky, I love you. But... There is literally a show called Without a Trace. That's 160 <laughs> episode, and the series focuses on missing people who disappeared without a trace. I mean, you know, not to mention Unsolved Mysteries, the first 48 hours, this show who has nine seasons, it's not uncommon. Yeah, and, and I get it. As a, a family member, you're like, I cannot accept that someone yeah. I loved so dearly, who was a wife and a mother, could just walk away from their life. But I'm also like, it's kind of naive to believe that. It is not impossible. People do it all the time for all kinds of reasons. Can I ask you, what do you think happened? If you had to guess. I think she might have died by suicide. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, things like this do happen. You know, it happened in the Brandon Fuchsa case. They couldn't find him and he did, you know, die by suicide. You know, mental illness is something that is different for everyone. Yeah. You know, it's a spectrum of how how bad she, you know, might have been hurting. And the fact that she was so closed off. And I'm not to say I, I'm I'm not qualifying anyone's pain, but I do think the pressures of being a mom and being a woman and yeah. might have gotten to her. And I, I yeah. think that, and again, hiding that might've been, might've been hard. What about you? I mean, yes, I agree with all of that. I, I do. I think that it's, I think it's very important for them to check the water, yeah. the, the bodies of water nearby. I, I don't understand why they haven't done that, but yes, it does. It does seem that all signs point to that. I'm so sad for her. Also, you know, I will say the bravest thing you can do is if you need help to ask for it, There is always help out there for you if you need it. And I know that we can sometimes end up in circumstances that we think we can't see our way out of. 
I promise you, you can. Yep. And if you do find yourself in need, there is 24-hour help available to you at 1-800-273-8255. We love you. We love you. Everybody struggles with different kinds of things. So some research about Tammy. If you do look into this case, you'll probably come across a theory involving a man by the name of Todd Colehelp. He's also known as the real estate serial killer. What? So he confessed to killing eight people, and he was about two hours away (gasps) from where Tammy disappeared. He was in Moore, South Carolina at the time. He was also known for abducting his victims. So there is a theory out there that maybe if Tammy did go out for a walk, she was abducted by him. Of course, this is is just a loose theory. But in December 2017, Cole Hepp said that there are more victims that have not been discovered. Of course, he is serving life in prison. So that is a theory that is, that is running around. I don't know if that happened. I it's mean, a long shot. But yeah. that's fucking crazy. But, you know, the family continues to have hope that someone will have information on Tammy's disappearance. So if you do know anything about the disappearance of Tammy Kingery, please do not hesitate to call the Edgefield County Sheriff's Office at 803-637-5337. And they also have an active and updated yeah. Facebook page yeah. called the Tammy Russell Kingery page. We do send them our love and condolences. Where is Tammy? Where is she? Say something funny. Well, after this episode, I think Captain Corn Nuts for deodorant couldn't find his way to the grocery store and back, much less find a missing person. Fire that man. Bow, 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 bow. Oh, we did it. We did it. We are working our way through season seven. If you want more of Joey's New Orleans shenanigans. <laughs> I never know what is going to come out of his mouth. Join us on the Patreon where you get these episodes ad-free plus three extra episodes and something special. You can also get in our best friends circle. You also get first crack at our live shows, which are coming. First crack at our merch and tons of extra special things. We love you so much. We would love to have you. And if you're feeling generous, hop on over and give us a five-star review on iTunes. And please explain why you love our podcast. It really does help us in the algorithm to get us out there. We love connecting with you on social. Yes, validate me. (laughs) (laughs) We're needy. Find us on our Facebook group that we are in there all the time, mostly taking your shit. Mostly. Tell them what the Facebook group is. It's called Obsessed with Disappeared Discussion Group. Podcast Discussion Group. It's It's called Jesus fucking Christ. (laughs) Somebody write this down for me and put it on a post-it next to my microphone. (laughs) Jesus. Where can they find you on socials? I am on Instagram at It's Joey Taranto or on Twitter at Joey underscore Taranto. And you can find us on Instagram there all the time on The Disappeared Pod. You can find me at Ellen Marsh and on TikTok at Ellen Marie Marsh. I'm also on Twitter if you want to find me there. I love connecting with you and hearing from you guys. You really, really make our days so much better. Also, check out our TikTok. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We have a TikTok. Yeah. Obsessed with Disappeared TikTok. It's very funny. And we love you so much. We I love, love you, you. Joseph. Oh, I love you, Yellow Mars. We love you. I love you. Bye. Bye. So now, two weeks after Tammy's disappearance, SLED, the South Carolina Lawn Enfor- Lawn? Lawn. The Lawn Enforcement. The Lawn Enforcement. Hey, we're here to enforce the lawn. <laughs> we're here representing your lawn. Episode four, Walk Into the Darkness, tells the story of Tammy Kingery. It's just walk into darkness. Okay. Like, walk into darkness. Walk into darkness. Thank you, Joey. Sorry. Sorry. Just make Jeff's job harder. I love you. Then we see a pickle. Whoop. A pickle? We see a pickle. So Tammy and Parked. Parked? <laughs> Tammy and Park worked at this drugstore. <laughs> Fuck you. Once you see what you've done to me around... I got this. Jeff, make, make, I, make this all make sense. 